0: And all I do, I honor you. Amen. Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to Daniel chapter 3 within God's Word. Daniel chapter 3 within the the Word of the Lord. Uh, And uh, if you don't have a study guide, if you have not been given uh, a, a study guide where you can fill in the blank and take notes as we preach along this morning, raise your hand and an usher will get one to you this blessed morning. Thank you for being faithful to God's work here at Lakeside and to the word uh, of the Lord. Did you enjoy your July 4th? Did you have a good time? How many enjoyed some fireworks? Okay, okay. Every year every year when we have our family vacation over July 4th and my son Jonathan flies in and this year he flew in with his new bride Uh, Taryn, and uh, we have the most wonderful family uh, July 4th vacation. We look forward to shooting the fireworks over the lake. And the ones in charge of it are my son and your own Pastor Ryan. Now, Jonathan and Ryan are pretty creative. And they really get into it. pastor, of course, breaks the bank, and uh, I spend a wad for fireworks. This year I spent up to $100. Uh, I think it was about $89 I spent. I mean, we're talking big time here. And uh, Pastor Ryan gets a board and he nails the mortars to the board, drills them I should say, and gets them positioned so they shoot over the lake. And we all sit in our chairs. Becky puts on patriotic music. It's a fun affair as the mortars are shooting out and exploding in the sky. And our oohs and ahs as it echoes and reverberates across the lake. And uh, let me back up here because... My neighbors, my neighbors next door to me, two old ladies that live next to I've got this feeling they don't like me. Now it might be because I was on a jet ski once and I, I, did, a, I did a 360 and splashed some water up on her while she was reading a book on, the, on her pond too. And she came screaming out at me. And So we kind of walk a little sensitive with our neck. You, you have any next door neighbors like that? And uh, uh, it, it happened years ago, but uh, we still walk very sensitively and the fireworks was, go- was going great until one mortar just kind of fell over. It wasn't screened or, or screwed in tight, it, it fell over. And it, uh, I could have handled it if it shot my way, but uh, it shot right next door to our, instead of over the lake, right next to our next-door neighbor, up on her deck. And I have never prayed through more. And God is good. They weren't at home. Hallelujah. There are no fireworks in the Bible like the fireworks that you'll find in Daniel chapter 3. Fireworks of all fireworks. And I want to share with you some powerful revelations From Daniel chapter 3, we're in a summer series called Favor Living. How can you live the blessed life? Do you want to live the blessed life? Do you want to live with God's favor? Daniel chapter 3 is pivotal to a life of favor. Fill in the blank with me this morning as we get ready to preach a message entitled, You've Got a Friend in the Fire. The time is 585 B.C. The place is the plain of Dura, where the Babylonian emperor Nebuchadnezzar, has erected a colossal golden statue. Read with me in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high. And how many cubits wide? Six. And set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Everybody who was anybody was there. Nebuchadnezzar invited the who's who. Of the Babylonian Empire, the aristocracy, the royalty, the uh, intelligent, all the advisors, the rich, the prestigious, the prosperous, the popular—they were all. Their scholars believed that there were three hundred thousand of the cream of the crop assembled in the plain of Dura. Assembled there for what? They were there for the dedication of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's statue. His golden image made out of wood but covered with pure gold. How tall? The Bible says 60 cubits high. How high is that? That's three times the height of the top of the cross on this church. Yeah, wow. It could be seen for miles upon miles. How wide? Just 6 cubits wide. The normal human body is at a 5 to 1 ratio. This colossal statue is at a 10 to 1 ratio. Meaning that it is depicting a very, very tall and a very, very skinny man. 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide. A very grotesque, unbalanced statue. What? Is Nebuchadnezzar's purpose? He is trying to unite his empire. Not just physically, but spiritually. He is trying to bring his entire empire together. Through religion. Where the worship is the worship of who? Himself. This statue is a statue of Nebuchadnezzar. He is deifying himself. Just as so many pharaohs, kings, Caesars, uh, uh, emperors, rulers down throughout time have tried to deify themselves and proclaim themselves as God in flesh and receive worship. I want you to know that there's a prophetic dimension to Daniel chapter 3. What was past will now be our future. It is not by coincidence, it's not by coincidence, that uh, the Holy Spirit caused Nebuchadnezzar to make this statue 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. This account in Daniel chapter 3 is a prophetic Prophetic announcement is a foreshadowing of what will come in our future. In Revelation chapter 13. And he who has wisdom, let him understand the number of the beast. For the number of the beast is man's number. And his number is six, six, six. The number of man in the Bible, when you look at biblical numerology, the number assigned to man is the number six. Man was created on the sixth day. What's the number for God? Not seven. That's the Hebrew number for perfection, fulfillment, completion. The number three is God's number. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Antichrist in Revelation 13, by utilizing the number 666, he is proclaiming himself as the God-Man or the Man-God. The Antichrist, the future world dictator that I believe is on the very threshold of announcing himself on the world stage. He will seek to dominate the world through a three-point plan. A one-world government a one world economic system and a one world religion the Bible is clear that halfway through the Great Tribulation the Antichrist will be assassinated and then he will resurrect from the dead it's at that point the entire world is awed by him he will come across as a new age messiah The Savior of the world. The Bible says that He will seat Himself in the newly rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, in the Holy of Holies, and proclaim Himself as God. His henchmen, His henchmen, the false prophet, will force everyone to worship Him and to worship His statue, to worship the image of the beast. The false prophet will have the power to call down fire out of heaven. That's right. For any who do not worship the image of the beast, the statue of the beast, they'll be consumed with fire out of heaven or be beheaded, decapitated. Scripture is clear. What was past, don't relegate it to just Bible stories, will be our planet's future. The Scripture is clear about it. Six, six, six. I don't know about you. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm looking forward to a one world economic system. I'm looking forward to a one world religion I'm looking forward to a one world government not headed up by Antichrist but headed up by Jesus Christ who will step foot on the Mount of Olives and declare I'm in charge now and a peace that this world has never known will be ushered in lift up your eyes when you see these things begin to come to pass lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh now I ask you what sin? What sin was it that drove Nebuchadnezzar to create such a golden image? What sin is it that will drive the Antichrist to be worshipped as though he was God in the newly rebuilt temple in Jerusalem? Angela? Prat. Prat. Write it down, fill in the blank, Revelation number one. Pride is not the sole possession of the powerful, the prosperous, or the prestigious. Rather, pride is enemy number one for every Christian. We all deal with pride every single day on a variety, a multiplicity of levels. I want to ask you a question. Why won't a man, why won't a man stop and ask for directions? I can't hear you. Pride. I he'll he'll drive around. I mean, I'll drive around in circles for hours before I'll ask for drive. <laughs> pride. I mean, some of us are all proudful we won't even consult our GPS. <laughs> sure. The worst problems I've ever counseled or ministered to in the church are a result of pride. It's pride that causes a teenager to shake their fist at their parents and refuse their godly counsel. It's pride that keeps a spouse from showing real love to their mate by being sensitive to their needs or fulfilling the needs of the one that they're married to. Uh, The church member who refuses counsel from spiritual leadership is operating in what? Pride! It's pride which causes gossip about the sins of others to permeate a church or a home or a a, a workplace. Why do we gossip? To show ourselves better than others. Pride. It's pride that keeps the addict from admitting that they have a problem, that they're hooked. What keeps married couples from making up? What keeps family members from saying, I'm sorry? What keeps church members from reconciling with one another for years? Pride. Pride. It's pride that keeps many in the pew from pressing into God. It's pride that keeps many from lifting up their hands as God has ordained in His Word to worship Him and to exalt Him because they're so afraid of what people will think. It's pride that has kept countless souls from admitting that they're sinners in need of a Savior. Pride is the deadliest of sins. It was the first sin. It was Lucifer's sin. And that's the number one sin that he uses to trip you and I up. What's God's cure? What's God's cure for pride? James 4:10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Write it down. As about 300,000 of the Babylonian Empire's elite stood before Nebuchadnezzar's golden image, they were given a choice: you either bow, or you burn. Bow or burn. Daniel chapter 3 is, I would describe it to my generation, as a weird Woodstock. Now, many of my generation, when they hear the name Woodstock, uh, right away, there's, they recognize it as more than a million young adults and teenagers In New York, went to the rock concert of all rock concerts. It is still the biggest rock concert ever held. Woodstock. And that's what we find in Daniel chapter 3. Maybe not a million. But the order was this. It was proclaimed that as soon as you hear the band play. And boy, talk about weird instruments. Not electric guitars. But as soon as you hear the zither, the lyre the harp, the pipes, the flute, and then something called a sackbutt. As soon as you hear it play, what were they supposed to do? As soon as they heard the band play, they were supposed to what? Hit the dust. And bow, and not just bow, but worship the golden image, the image of Nebuchadnezzar. Can you imagine that situation? Oh, pastor, preacher, you know, that's, that's a great children's bedtime story. Hey, don't relegate Daniel chapter 3 to a kid's bedtime story. Don't think it will never happen to us. Let me share with you this morning how it's happening more quickly than we could ever dare to imagine here in America, here between the eastern and the western shores of this great nation. Think of how in our generation, America has repudiated her Christian heritage, and it's happening quicker and quicker all the time. 1962, the Supreme Court bans state prayers in public schools. 1973, the Supreme Court rules in favor of abortion rights. 1978, caroling is prohibited in many schools. 1980, the courts ripped the Ten Commandments from the school walls. 1981, crosses and parks are declared unconstitutional. 1996, the Hawaiian State Supreme Court rules in favor of same-sex marriage unions. 2002, the Supreme Court strikes down the ban on virtual child pornography. 2003, the Detroit News writes, America is not a Christian nation, and God Help us if we ever become one. 2014, Houston, Texas, five pastors are subpoenaed for their sermons by Houston's lesbian mayor under their new non-discrimination law. 2014, Virginia, Christians are threatened with arrest for witnessing for Jesus on a public sidewalk. 2014, in Idaho, two ministers were ordered to perform a same-sex marriage or face jail time and up to $1,000 in fines. 2015, Last week, the abortion mills of Planned Parenthood are exposed for what they are, as videos of them selling body parts of the re- of unborn babies are revealed. June twenty fifth, two thousand and fifteen, the Supreme Court legalizes gay marriage, and the ramifications for the church, this church, for ministers this pastor, and Bible Christians could be far, far reaching. What does it all add up to? What does it all add up to? We are living at a time where the pressure to bow, to cop out, and to cave in, and to compromise has never been greater. To bow and compromise of your faith in the absolute truth of God's Word to bow and compromise to your walk with God to to drop out of running the race uh, effectively as never before there's a pressure to compromise to bow down to the philosophies and the vain thinking of this world to follow the crowd uh, uh, as never before I have dealt in the church with Christians that are drinking up and shooting up and snorting up and I think nothing wrong with it! The admonition has come out. Bow or burn! Bow or burn! Bow or burn! burn. Jesus said in Matthew 24 verse 13, The one who endures, the one who endures, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Not the one who starts out running effectively. Not the one who who has a glory and and a shouting hallelujah dance on the day of their water baptism. But the one who finishes the race. Anybody can be a quitter. Anybody can go A-W-O-L. Anybody can be a dropout. But Jesus has a higher standard. Jesus only, only, only promises salvation to those who endure. To the end. To the end, Revelation number 2. Write it down. Remember, it's not how you start out, but it's how you finish. It's how you finish. The pressure to compromise, the pressure to defect from the faith, the pressure to cave in and cop out with Jesus Christ and your walk with Him, it has always been around. But I declare to you, it's being shoved in our faces, and our young people's faces, as never before. Don't say, don't say it can't happen to you. Don't say it can't happen to me. Samson started out well. Samson ran the race well. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God, when he came down upon Samson, he could do mighty exploits as a champion for God. He could have been a contender. He could have been a champion. I believe that could have been written on his tombstone. I could have been. God's perfect will for Samson was to be a champion of champions. But how did he end up snoozing in the lap of Delilah? King Saul. Read the story of King Saul. King Saul was anointed by the Spirit of God. The power of God came so mightily upon King Saul that he prophesied with the prophets all night and all day. 24 hours of prophesying in the Spirit. But how did he end up? Saul had a problem with people pleasing. Saul was more focused on people pleasing than being a God pleaser. And he spent the last night of his life with who? The witch of Endor. And this very hour, we don't know where the soul of King Saul resides. Again, don't tell me it can't happen to you. Case in point, Judas. 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 I wish i had had the education that Judas had. I wish I went to the Bible college that Judas went to. Ju- Judas went to Jesus University. Judas walked and talked with the Son of God for how many years? For three years. What did Judas experience in those three years? What did he see in those three years? He saw the lame walk. He saw the blind see. He saw leprosy cleansed by a spoken word. He saw the dead raised. He witnessed and experienced demons screaming out in sheer terror to the presence of the Son of God. Yet when it came down to the last chapter of his life, He sold out his only Savior for 30 pieces of silver. Again, don't say, don't say like Simon Peter who who said to Jesus, Oh, it won't happen to me, it won't happen to me. And what did Peter do? He ended up denying his only Lord three times. Listen, this matter of being a Christian isn't for sissies. This matter of walking the walk with Jesus isn't a matter for the fainted heart. It takes a real man of God. It takes a real woman of God who humbles himself. And that's where it's at. It's not in your own might. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by your spirit, saith the Lord. It's every day. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Submit yourselves unto the Lord. And the devil, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will exalt you. Lean upon the everlasting arms. Amen. Amen. God calls us to be like the Apostle Paul who in the last few hours of his life said, I have fought the good fight. Uh, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What course has God called you to? What course has He called you to? Has He called you to a ministry in this church? Finish your course. Has He called you to marriage? Finish your course. Reject the spirit of divorce in this land and in the church. Know where it comes from. It's a demonic spirit. We counsel so many children that are now in their 40s and their 50s byproducts of divorce. Finish your course! Finish your course! Finish your course! Has God called you? Has God called you to be a witness for Him? Has God called you to to let your light shine in a dark world for Him? Finish your course! Finish your course! Endure to the end! Refuse to be a quitter. Refuse to be a dropout. Refuse to, to, to kowtow to the deceptiveness of the enemy. To cave in and compromise. Preacher, I'd never turn my back on God. I'd never sell out like a Judas. I'd never drop out of running the race. Okay, perhaps not. But honey, sir, ma'am, can we talk? You're not running like you used to. The honeymoon's been over a long time between you and the lover of your soul. And this communion supper... This is a love table. This is a love cup. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, you don't love me like you used to love me. You've lost your first love. You're not running like you used to run. You're coasting. And coasting is one step away from compromise. Not long ago, just north, of St. Louis a levee broke an earthen dam that had been erected decades ago an earthen dam that was composed of clay dirt, sod mud and though it had been inspected many times this dam when it was hit by a flood it broke And over 700 homes were destroyed. When an engineering analysis was undertaken of this earthen dam, guess what they discovered? The dam was riddled with gopher holes, muskrat holes, even down to chipmunk holes. And the day by day, slow eroding away, brought that dam to destruction. Let me tell you something. I can tell you this as a pastor. The other pastors can tell you as well. People don't walk on, out on God. People don't defect from the faith overnight. It's a deceptiveness of the gradual. It is a slow eroding. It is a slow denigration. It is a slow uh, burrowing in of the enemy. A little compromise there. A little compromise there. A a, a, a little compromise with your prayer life. A little compromise with reading the Word on a daily basis. A little compromise on, on being faithful to church. A little compromise on your testimony at work. Sooner or later, these muskrats of hell burrow in to such a point that when the flood hits, when the fire hits, we can't stand. We can't stand. And it's no wonder we bow. What's burrowed into your life? What needs to be left at this communion table this morning? The Bible says let everyone, before they take communion, let them examine themselves. Is there... Is there A secret sin? Is there a besetting sin that keeps tripping you up? Leave it at this table. This is a table of grace this morning. Hallelujah. My Bible and your Bible says that where sin uh, abounds, grace will much, much more abound. Hallelujah. Greater is He that's within you than he that's within this world. Give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. Examine yourself this morning. Search me. Sift me, Jesus. Lord, I need your help. I need your grace this morning. Amazing grace. That's what communion is. Don't let this become a ritual. Let it become a spiritual reality that causes you in the hour of trial to stand and to keep standing for Jesus. You see that? Burner bow, the call went out. So when the Babylonian band played, everyone hit the dust. Worshipping the golden image. All except three men who kept standing. This is Sunday School 101 right now. These points. Some of you don't even know this Bible account. Write these names down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their passion for God burned more (laughs) than the fiery furnace. I I like that. Yeah. So they're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. Can you imagine 300,000 people hit the dust and worship the image of Nebuchadnezzar except these three men who refused to bow. Oh God, oh God, give us backbone in the church like that instead of wishbones. Three men who stuck out like sore thumbs for the glory of God in the plain of Dura. They're given a second chance by King Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says. Nebuchadnezzar says, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good, but if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then, What God, oh, I like that part. I could preach a whole sermon just on that last part. What God, what God will be able, (laughs) what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Oh, I can just see God right now itching to move. But God can only move. Hear me, oh, this is a powerful revelation that I don't even have in my notes. Here's a powerful revelation I don't even have in your study guide. Oh, God just gave this to me. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? God is itching to move, but God can't until the people of God speak out and confess their faith. And that's what happens next. It is the, probably the most powerful statement of faith that you'll ever find in the Bible. I have used this statement of faith for damage control. I have been brought into hospital situations, so has Pastor Hal. With those afflicted with terminal cancer. And they've been told by family, they've been told by relatives, they've been told by TV preachers that the reason that they're not healed is because of their lack of faith and that there's sin in their life. And I've used this statement from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego time and time and time again. Let's hear what they say. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, He is able to deliver us from it. And He will deliver us from Your Majesty's hand. But even if He does not, because God is not a bellboy, just because you have faith, you can't order God around. You can claim His promises But then relax in the sovereign will of God. That's good theology. That's good preaching here this morning. But even if He does not, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. God is able to heal cancer. But if God chooses not to, I'm still not going to bow. I'm going to go to to my funeral. I'm going to go to my casket. I'm going to go to the grave. And I'm going to have my hands lifted up. Shout glory. (laughs) He will never fail me. I trust him. No matter what. You see that classic statement of faith there. They put it in God's hands. They put it in God. They confessed faith, but then they put it in God's. I want you to see two powerful faith statements. First, they said in verse 17, Our God is able. I want you to note, they didn't subscribe to some trouble-free faith. They knew that serving God didn't mean fire-free faith, uh, storm-free faith, trouble-free faith. Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. But, cheer up. Cheer up. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. So these had a, we don't care what happens, faith. No matter what, we're going to keep trusting God. How could they have had this kind of God confidence? They knew their God. I said they knew their God. I've attended, I've attended, I've attended four different cemeteries. I mean seminaries. I rub shoulders with men and women that academically, intellectually, they were far more astute than your pastor in terms of Bible knowledge. They knew a lot about the grammatical, historical, cultural, contextual analysis and exegeting hermeneutically the Bible. They knew their Bible, but they did not know their God. It's not enough to be an intelligent Christian. Have you had an experience with God? I've told my children. You cannot live on your parents' testimony. You cannot walk on your parents' faith, legs of faith. You must have an experience with God. You must have an encounter with He who is the Alpha and the Omega. You must know God. Hallelujah. 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 Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they knew their God. And because they knew their God, they were able to say, our God is able. Are you able to say that? When you really know God, you know just what to say when the storms of life strike. When sickness comes, when tragedy comes, like it did this morning. In the first service, uh, you and I are able to say, uh, <laughs> He is Jehovah Rophe. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Uh, he is my mighty healer. He is my great physician. When poverty strikes, when financial difficulty strikes, you can declare, He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who is able to provide and supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. When you're afraid, when you're, when you're battling with fear, you're able to say, He's my light. He's my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, if God be for us, who can be against us? And when old death when old death himself comes knocking at your door you're able to rise up on the legs of faith and say though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil to live is christ and to die it's gain hallelujah revelation number 3 write it down walk with the god confidence that our god is Able, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Secondly, in verse 18, they basically told Nebuchadnezzar, we'd rather burn than bow. We'd rather burn than bow. Listen, we're not talking about some politicians running for president here. We're not talking about three men that had to take a poll or an opinion survey. They said we'd rather burn than bow. God is desperately looking for Christians of commitment, Christians of conviction, rather than Christians of compromise. In a mass survey called the New Millennium Survey, taken by the Barnard Group, among America's Christians, only 22%, only 22% of American Christians, and these were mainly young adult Christians, only 22 percent believe that the Bible contains absolute truth. The vast majority believe that truth is in the eyes of the beholder. That if you feel good about something, that's good. If you feel bad about something, that's bad. The vast majority believe That all faiths lead to God, whether it's Muslim, Buddhist, Confucianism, or Christianity. Let me tell you, the pressure squeeze to compromise is alive and well out there as never before. God is desperately looking for Christians today, young adults, young people today, that are gonna say, We're not gonna bow. But everybody else is going to the party. I'm not going to bow. But, but everybody else is smoking that. I'm not going to bow. Well, everybody else is doing it. I'm not going to bow. I'd rather burn than bow. I'm going to stand for Jesus. God's looking for a people like that whose convictions do not change with the circumstances. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read God's word on the day of days. What kind, what kind of Christians are, is God looking for? I think we've, we've set the bar way too low. I think we've set the standards way too low. What kind of Christians will only, will only make it into heaven? What kind of Christians? Revelation answers that question. Revelation two seven: He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. Revelation two eleven: He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Revelation two seventeen: He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Revelation 2.26 And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Revelation 3.12 He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Revelation 3.21 To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Revelation 21 verse 7 He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I think the message is abundantly, abundantly, abundantly clear. Only overcomers will be allowed into heaven. And it's about time that we stop going through our religiosity, a liturgical church experience, and rise up as the people of God and begin to shout out for righteousness here in America, at work, at school. It's not enough. It's not enough. To be a passive Christian. It's not enough to say. I'm not going to drink, smoke, or chew. Or run around with gals that do. Even a store mannequin can do that. It's about time we move into our world. And proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. To proclaim that abortion is wrong. Same sex marriage is wrong proclaim it in our homes proclaim it in our schools proclaim it at the church house and proclaim it at the white house as well for the glory of God hallelujah stand up for righteousness stand up for righteousness God's looking for overcomers I believe before the second coming of Jesus Christ a great sifting is coming in our nation and God is going to shake things up As he's done in the past, read the Bible to see who will bow and compromise and who's going to stand with conviction. Yes, we're seeing a lot of compromising Christians today, but I want you to know there's still some Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednego's. They're in our youth group. (laughs) They're in our children's ministry. And I'm preaching to them here this morning. Men and women who are hungry for the Word of the Lord. They're hungry to hear of thus saith the Lord in this hour. I want you to know not all hope is lost. Keep praying. Keep shining as a light in the darkness. Don't put up or shut up. I'm not asking you to be a fanatic. But maybe the world will call you a fanatic. You won't be popular with the world as a Christian. Christianity's never been popular down through the ages. Read the history of church history. It's written in blood. The blood of the martyrs. The day we try to be popular in the church is try to be popular for too long. We've dumbed down our services, we've dumbed down our praise and worship and made it like a rock concert. We've dumbed down our, our methods and our programming to try to be like the world, to win the world. My Bible doesn't read like that. But stand up, stand up for righteousness stand up for Jesus Christ who shed his blood upon the cross of Calvary and he wasn't worried about being hung up for my hang-ups and yours Matthew 24 verse 9 In this hour Jesus said in the last the last days you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me 11 countries, 11 countries practice right now, systematic persecution of Christians. China, Pakistan, Laos, North Korea, Vietnam, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Egypt, Nigeria, Uzbekistan and 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 Cuba. Where we're going in September, our missions team and your pastors going with them to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! (laughs) Hallelujah! (laughs) Hallelujah! We might be dialoguing from, I might be in jail dialoguing with you, church back and forth, but I'm going to Cuba. I want to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. I am so proud of our missions team and our missions ministry here at Lakeside, refusing to kowtow in fear, and going forth where we can to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the Bible says the gospel is the power of God, even unto salvation. Who's the most persecuted Christian group or the persecuted religion in the world? Christians are the most persecuted religious group in the world today. In 2015, ISIS has shocked the world by the beheadings of hundreds of Christians. Egyptian Coptics, Ethiopian Christians, Iraqi Christians. I have talked... To Chaldeans who have been persecuted by ISIS. And I am glad to report to you, our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ around the world and especially in face of ISIS have refused. To bow to Muhammad, they've refused to bow to Allah, they have refused to compromise their faith. Yes, they've lost their heads, but they've gone down, <laughs> worshiping Jesus and crying out, He is King of Kings, He is Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Recently I shared the story and I share it again because it bears repeating. In Sudan, would you show that picture? A young Christian doctor, this is Dr. Miriam Ibrahim, whose father is a Muslim. Her biological father was a Muslim who divorced her mother when she was only six years old. Now as an adult woman, because she married a Christian, she was arrested by the Muslim authorities in Sudan. Pregnant... With her second child, she gave birth to her second child in prison as they kept her shackled. She faced 100 lashings by a whip and public hanging even unto death. Three times, three times, three times during her trial, she was asked to recant her Christian faith. And each time, what did she respond? I am a Christian, and I will remain a Christian. I am a Christian, and I will remain a Christian. Matthew 24, verse 21, the Bible says, What does it all add up to? What does it all add up to? What are we moving towards? Jesus said, Then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor, nor ever shall be, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Jesus said, that unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Paul admonishes us. Therefore, Ephesians 6.13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... Now I, want you to, I want to stop there. Did Paul say, if the day of evil comes? When do you prepare for the day of evil? When it happens? You prepare now. Now, that's why you're in church this morning. That's why you're worshiping the Lord. That's why you're, you're, you're feasting upon the Word, the, the spoken Word of the Lord. That's why you're partaking in communion. Yeah, because you don't know. You don't know when the day of evil is going to come. You are fortifying your foundations. You're feeding your spiritual man and woman. For when the day of evil comes, you may be able to do what? Stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to do what? To stand like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Revelation number four. Refuse to compromise. Cave in or cop out. Be a person of godly conviction, no matter what. Determine to be an overcomer. Lastly this morning, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, when he heard Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego declare we would rather burn than bow, the Bible says that he lost it. You talk about a hothead. Have you ever dealt with a hothead? When you deal with a hothead, whether it's in traffic or at the store, they always magnify things worse than that they really are. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He ordered the fiery furnace to be heated. How many times hotter than normal? Seven times hotter than normal. He ordered his green berets, his army rangers, his navy seals, the elite of his soldiers to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to pick them up and to throw them into the fiery furnace. The furnace was so hot that the fire consumed the soldiers that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. These men that were bound up by ropes in the fire, they fell into that big pot-bellied stove. It was a, 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 another idol that was shaped, if you can imagine, like a giant Buddha with the big belly being the pot belly stove. They were dropped in from the head and they fell into the belly. And Nebuchadnezzar got at a safe distance where he could see in at what was happening. And he said, I see, I see a, I see one man. I see Shadrach. I see two men. I see Meshach. I see three men. I see Abednego. But I see a fourth man that looks like the son of the living God. I see a fourth man in the fire. I see a fourth man in the fire! Who's the fourth man in the fire? Who's the fourth man in the fire? The Bible says His name is Wonderful! Counselor! Mighty God! Everlasting Father! Prince of Peace Uh, he's the lily of the valley he's the fairest of ten thousand he's the bright and morning star he's the bread of life Uh, he is the life Uh, he is the word the living word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God hallelujah this is the one that Joshua ran into before the battle of Jericho and Joshua said are you friend or foe and this one said I am neither I come to you as the commander of the Lord's army hallelujah this is the great I am this is the rock he's known as the high tower he's the alpha and omega the king of kings and the lord of lords Who is in this fiery furnace? He's the one who died upon the cross for your sins. He shed His blood. He paid the price for your sins and my sins. He took the punishment that was due you and I. He died upon that cross for you and and me. He rose from the dead with resurrection power, shouting glory as He ascended into the heaven and has sat down in the right hand of the Father. Was this Muhammad? Was this Buddha? Was this Confucius? Who? Who's the fourth man in the furnace? Jesus. 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 Say that name with me. Jesus. 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 My daddy needs Jesus. Lord, my lakeside family needs Jesus. I don't know what fire you're going through this morning. I don't know what fire you're facing this morning. You might face a fire this week that you don't even know about. But here's the truth I want you to leave this service with. I want, here's the truth, here's the revelation. You've got a friend to the fire. You've got a friend to the fire. I'd like to preach to you that God will always, always, always take you out of the fire. I'd like to be able to teach that God will always, always remove you from the storm. But that is untrue. God has never promised a storm-free life. God has never promised a fire-free life. God has promised, though, to always be with you in the fire. Who is this one? It's Jesus. He is with them. He is with them. He is with them, for he said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, before you put your papers away and check out on me, stay tuned, the best is yet to come. Nebuchadnezzar says, I see a fourth man. In the furnace and now the three are walking around in the fiery furnace are they bound or unbound they are unbound and they're walking in the furnace the Bible says with the fourth man to the point and for so long that Nebuchadnezzar had a shout out, please, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, please come out of the fire. They were enjoying the presence of the Lord in a dimension that they had never experienced. Some of you, I've walked with you through some, some rough stuff, some terrible tragedies some for you life is an ongoing tragedy whether it's a wheelchair it's a cane and you don't understand why on this side of eternity you might not get an answer to your question but my word to you this morning is this there's a fourth man in the furnace i want you to remind remind you you got a friend in the fire and He might not take you out of the fire, but He's going to take you through and He's going to do some marvelous things in you. I've had some saints in this church tell me that they have received revelation. They have received insight. They have received ministry from the presence of the Lord that they would have not otherwise received if it had not for the, been the fire, the flood, the problem. You'll never know God as your healer until you're sick. You'll never have a fresh revelation of his victory until you're attacked. And you call upon him. You've got a friend in the fire. Do you know him this morning? Do you walk with him and talk with him? Sometimes he doesn't change your circumstances because he wants to change your character. The fire is refining. I have never learned to pray more than when I'm in the fire. There are purposes for the Lord to have you in the fire. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they finally came out at the urging of the king. All of the royalty got around them. They weren't burnt. They weren't injured. Their clothes were not singed. They could not even smell smoke upon them. In seminary, we were taught that they found the cold spot in the furnace. That there's a cold spot in every furnace. And that's how you can explain away the miraculous. And I raised my hand and and I said, Tell me, how did they get from the opening to the cold spot? Wasn't it kind of hot between the opening and the cold spot? Give me a break. there wasn't even the smell of smoke upon them. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, their God is God. And he poured out promotion and blessing and favor upon them. What's the revelation? The revelation is this. You stay faithful to the Lord in the fire. You refuse to bow You keep standing up for Jesus. And I declare upon you in the name of Jesus that favor, promotion, (laughs) blessing is just right around the corner. Amen? I want to give a word for someone this morning. It's found in Isaiah chapter 41. Thus saith the Lord that created thee, and he that formed thee, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall a flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel. I am thy Savior. Can you give God all the glory this morning? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise Him! Spirit of God, I pray even right now, knock upon heart's doors. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Please no looking around in this sacred moment. Where are you at with God? Sunday night, or Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, I cornered a car dealer in our church hallway, and I said, where are you at with God? Are you right with God? He said, Pastor, no, I'm not right with God. And I prayed with him the prayer of salvation. And he came to faith. So I ask you the question, are you in right relationship with God? Again, you might know about God, but do you know Him? Do you have a personal relationship with Him? Do you walk and talk with Him? Do you know that you know you have a home in heaven? Are you sure? If you're not sure and you'd like to be sure, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. I want to see you be able to take communion and not be left out. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you would like to be included in a prayer that will make you right with God, just lift up your hand right now as a symbol of your faith. Lift it up. Lift it up high. You're not ashamed. Lift it up high. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. How many more thank you god bless you how many more lift it up thank you up in the balcony i see that hand god bless you maybe you have not been running the race like like you should be maybe you've been a compromising christian maybe you've been a carnal christian it's time it's time to recommit to rededicate your life lift up your hand this morning if that's you lift up your hand precious jesus Everyone pray with me right now, especially those that lifted up their hands. Pray this prayer with me. Everyone pray it out loud, especially those who responded. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. I confess. I've sinned. I am a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus, a new life, a changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for making me brand new, for giving me a second chance. I thank you, Jesus. That I am saved. In the name of Jesus. I receive this. As I believe it. Amen.